And I walked into this place and the person living there, I mean, talk about entrepreneurial. They had strung shower curtains all over the huge living room and in, and the bedrooms so that what was once a two bedroom house, not even a house, a two bedroom apartment with a large living room, there were now over a dozen people living in this place. Are you looking to create more money, more options, and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron, and each week my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, we're talking house hacking here on Women Creating Wealth, and we've already talked about ways to do house hacking when you have no money and no house. We've talked about how to do house hacking with a little bit of money and no house, which is rental arbitrage. Now we're going to talk about what can you do? What are your possibilities if you've got a little bit of money and a little bit of house? Now, there's been some conversation on the YouTube channel about, oh, you know, this isn't real. You can't really do this. But I'm telling you right now, everything that we're going to talk about here today are things that either I have done personally myself, I have helped someone do, or I know firsthand the person who has done this 100%. This is real stuff. And what I want you to do is like, think out of the box, allow your mind to just expand. Okay. So house hacking is not always a short-term rental situation. A lot of times we, we think house hacking sometimes goes hand in hand with like Airbnb, but it doesn't have to. It could make more sense in your situation for you to rent full time. You don't have to furnish the place. In a lot of cases, you won't have to pay their utilities and you don't have to buy them, you know, stuff, toilet paper, you know, paper towels, all that kind of stuff. So when you run the numbers, which I highly encourage you to go back to the episode with John Bianchi and listen to him. He's the Airbnb data guy. We talked to him a few weeks ago and he can help you to, to do the analytics to see if it's going to make more sense for you to rent that property short-term versus long-term. Now, technically, people think of house hacking as referring only to a property where they live. So they think that they're just hacking up the house that they live, but you can buy an investment property and house hack that as well. I can share some episodes with you from my other podcast, uh, Get Your Fill, with folks who are doing that. You know, they bought a house, they don't live in it, they've rented it out with a whole bunch of different, to a whole bunch of different people, and they're just managing it. So that's definitely a thing. And even if it's not your house that you own, you can also, an apartment that you rent might have some space that you could use. Now, that reminds me of a situation when I was doing rentals. When I first started as a real estate agent, I was doing rentals and I walked into this place and the person living there, I mean, talk about entrepreneurial. They had strung shower curtains all over the huge living room and, in, and the bedrooms so that what was once a two bedroom house, not even a house, a two bedroom apartment with a large living room, there were now over a dozen people living in this place. Now, I doubt that was legal, but people are doing that. So maybe you think to yourself, who's going to live in a shower room? I mean, you know, who's going to live in a shower, a room made out of a shower curtain? Well, you know what? It's a thing. People come to this country, they come to this area, they don't have a lot of money and they want it, they just need to live so they can save and save and save. Can you help them, right? Can you help that person by renting them your couch? Can you help that person by, you know, making a taking a bedroom and putting three or four beds in there and allowing people 
to get a foothold and get a good financial situation going for themselves because they're, they're able to rent from you for a, a discounted rent. Maybe, right? Think of it like, how can I help people instead of thinking, how can I like take advantage of people? But anyway, do the research and see whether or not you can make more money by renting your bedrooms short-term, long-term, you know, dividing it up. Sometimes people, you know, kids just out of school, they're used to living in a dorm situation. So they don't mind sharing a bedroom with another person. You know, you can just give them their own little sort of half of the room. It's definitely a thought, definitely something to consider and to do some research on. So that's what I want you to do right now is just like grab a piece of paper and write down like, what are your current assets? What do you have? What is there anything that you have that you don't use every single day? Like, let's think way out of the box here. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your clothes. Maybe like Cassie Parks last week, she's hacking every little piece of her house. She's renting her pool on Swimply. She's renting uh, a bedroom on Airbnb. You can rent space in your yard to people who want to walk their dogs and not be with other humans. You know, this is still kind of COVID time right now where we're, when we're recording this and people don't want to be with other people all the time. So you can just like, just think about that. Would you want somebody who's in an apartment to be allowed to come and play in your backyard because they don't have a backyard of their own and the parents don't want the kids playing at the park? It's a thing. You just need to figure out how to find those people and leverage them. Similar to the no money, no house situation, you can put a tent, you can put a a mobile home, you can put something like that in your backyard. And there are sites that just cater to campers there are lots of them. Just Google that, you know, camping tent rentals. And there are people, it's like whole sites like Airbnb that just cater to people who want to live, who want to not live, (laughs) who want to sleep in a tent. Okay. So think about that. You know, do you have space in your basement, your attic, your garage? Um, I'm going to tell you about a situation. I'm going to put, give you access to a video that actually shows some of the process of me turning a shed a less than 200 square foot shed that was in the backyard of another house, turning that into a tiny house that was rented pretty much nonstop. Now, it was cute. It wasn't gorgeous. It could have been much cuter. You know, I just did a few things to finish it up, but there was exposed insulation. There was, you know, there was just all kinds of stuff. It wasn't like a beautiful place, but because I did my research on the area, there were two little niches that were not being filled. I mean, first of all, everybody loves a place that's different. Most of the places around there did not allow a one-night stay, and they did not allow dogs. So by allowing both in my little tiny house, it was rented much more consistently than I ever dreamt it would have been. I had almost no empty nights there, which kind of disappointed me because it was kind of cute, and I liked staying there, but I could never stay there because because I'm greedy. I obviously could have blocked some days off. But check out the video on that. You'll see that we did some really different things. I repurposed windows, decking, all kinds of stuff that, you know, had been taken out. I got stuff that people were throwing away. I got other windows I bought for $25. You know, there's just a lot of stuff you can do when you are thinking outside the box and thinking about budgeting. As a matter of fact, in a minute, we're going to talk about another space, like remind me that you want me to tell you about my kitchens. So the tiny house, there's no cleaner between guests. There was no running water. Okay. We had a little tiny mini fridge. I did bring electricity to the shed, but we had a composting toilet and that's it. People had to fill their own buckets. We left them like a five gallon bucket 
that they could fill with water at the, like a public pumpy place that you could take it to. And that was their water for the week. You know, there was the shower was like a solar shower that you could, in theory, fill up with water and then leave it in the sun and it's supposed to get warm. Well, I'm here to tell you that does not work in a place where there's a gazillion trees. So for much less than you would have thought possible, we had a lot of nice income coming in to that property. Like I said, you couldn't rent it long-term, but if you could, there's no way you could have made as much money as we did. Another similar situation in the same area is we took a studio apartment and turned it into a, like a tiny apartment by, you know, we did a, an easy remodel. So the, the first of all, the, the shed remodel, less than $5,000, soup to nuts. The tiny home remodel, I mean, the tiny apartment remodel that we did in the studio, that was uh, probably closer to 10000 because we did, you know, prettied up the kitchen, got some new cabinets, prettied up the bathroom a little bit, put a new floor down and put a Murphy bed in. So this was a very small space, about 250 square feet. So we put in a Murphy bed. If you don't know what that is, it's basically a bed that folds into the wall. So you, you walk in and there's this thing that looks kind of like a cabinet and you open it up and you see the bottom of the bed and you grab it and you pull it down on this little, like it's kind of like spring loaded. And then you unhook the little belt that holds the mattress on. You sleep on it. When you're ready, put the little belt back on, close it up, close the doors, and it, you've got the whole rest of the house now, again, for, for space. Same thing. So in that area, because we did such a great job and because we took the time to analyze the market, again, go back to John Bianchi's episode because data analytics is your friend here. This house, when we're renting it long-term to a regular person, I mean, it's just a studio, a very small house. It was renting for five fifty a month. Now we probably could have got six fifty, maybe once we did the kitchen and bath renovation on Airbnb. We just had somebody who booked for the whole month of January two thousand four hundred and thirty one dollars. Okay, so more than four times as much money by doing it short term versus long term. Is that 100%? I mean, does it, does it always rent for the whole month? Of course not. But it still consistently makes more money by being a short-term than a long-term. So do the math, do the analytics. Now, that tiny apartment is actually something that someone else created in their own house hack because they bought a big house. I think it was probably, you know, looking at it, it was probably maybe a four-bedroom house possibly. And they divided it up and made four units. So there are two studios and two one bedrooms. And that, I'm sure, more than doubled the amount of rent that they could get. Plus, a four-bedroom house is kind of a, it's, it's a kind of a niche, right? If you can afford to rent a four-bedroom house, you can probably afford to buy something, right? So it, it's a little harder to find somebody to rent such a big space. And in that case, by dividing it up, they were, for that market where almost everybody's single, you know, singles or couples, not a lot of big families that don't have enough money to buy their own house, right? It's the demographics of that particular space. It's kind of a place where people go to, because they love to hike and ski and stuff like that. And they just live their solo life. You know, the, the, um, I don't know what the word is, live the life of a person who doesn't have to really do that much work seasonally, have a good time. They want to rent a, a really inexpensive apartment. And that's what this catered to before we came along and turned one of them into an Airbnb. So but still, he's got still three long-term rentals and then the one Airbnb doing really well. But 
in that situation where you take a bigger property and you divide it into smaller properties, I mean, you could potentially even condo those properties and really maximize your turnaround. That's almost like a, a fancy flip. I did that myself with a property. I took a 1,200 square foot ranch, put a wall down the middle, divided it into two separate living spaces. And even though in that particular market, I wasn't making much more. And probably when you think about the cost for the utilities and all that stuff, I probably wasn't making any more doing the short-term rentals than I would have with the long-term rentals. But it was better for me because I wanted to be able to have people. If When I had people in from out of town, I wanted to be able to block that space off on the calendar so that they could stay with me, but in their own their own little space, right? Because I had now just a one-bedroom apartment. I wanted them to have their own space. So that worked for me, for my lifestyle, and frankly, for my personality, right? I had a three-bedroom house. I could have had two roommates. Not my style. <laughs> so it was better for me to, to divide it up. When I divided up the house into two houses, and I do this a lot, actually. I've done this in multiple properties. I'll go on to Facebook Marketplace, and I will get people who are renovating their kitchen, and they're taking out all their cabinets, and they're just selling them for a fraction of the cost. One of the cabinets that I put into the house would have cost what I paid for the entire kitchen. In the, on the other side, I think I paid, so I picked up a stove that someone was getting rid of. It was just in their front yard, free stove. I bought the fridge, but the cabinetry was all from Marketplace, and I painted it. So it was just that sort of oaky kind of kind of dated cabinetry. I scruffed it all up, put you know stuff on it. They call it um, I don't know sticky or something like that. Helps the paint to adhere. And I painted it all this gorgeous green color. Really just made the kitchen, and it looks fantastic. On the other side, same exact thing. I've had fantastically beautiful cabinets. So on that side. It's really fun too, like for me, because I get, you get these kitchens that are already configured and you're like, okay, what can I do with this kitchen? How am I going to turn somebody else's kitchen into my kitchen? So moving things around, like reconfiguring all kinds of stuff and ended up with a really cool layout that used every single cabinet, every single cabinet, which is unbelievable, right? There are other places like the one place that I did in New Hampshire, same thing. I bought the cabinets used like and I'm talking about paying between, I've never paid more than $1,000 for these used cabinets. Sometimes they come with appliances. Like the one that I did up in New Hampshire, it was a burr actually. I did a burr at uh, BRR, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. I did that in New Hampshire. And same thing, I bought the whole kitchen on Facebook from Facebook Marketplace. And actually, maybe not because that was before. Facebook Marketplace, I bought them on uh, Craigslist, brought all the cabinets up there. I had enough left over to make cabinets in the laundry room. And I still had two left over that I put in the in the basement. So it's fantastic, right? I mean, this is not going to be your forever home. You don't need to worry about what color the cabinets are, or whatever you can always paint. It's just a great way, like repurposing, go on Marketplace, go on Craigslist, find stuff that is that people are getting rid of, and you're going to save so much money on your renovation, so much money on your, I mean, whatever, your partitioning, your renovation, your whatever you're doing to your house in order to make it hackable. I highly encourage you to check that out. Don't discount things like 
Salvation Army. I mean, a lot of the pro- a lot of the furnishings for the places have started at Salvation Army, and then again, I've painted them or done something to them to make them a little bit funky and different, so that they don't look, you know, beat up or whatever. Anyway, you can do this thing for a fraction of what you think. You just have to think like an entrepreneur, think outside of the box, and have a can-do mentality. Like, what if if you made this thing successful instead of making like a thousand dollars a month? You could, you know, somebody was going to hand you a million dollars. I bet that if you did that, if that's what was on the line, I bet you could like, bam, really put your nose to the grindstone and make this thing incredible. And I'm telling you, if you start with this, you know, with the very first person that I ever interviewed for my other podcast named Tyler Chef, he's got a great podcast called The Cash Flow Guys. He said to me, these immortal words, figure out how to make $100 in passive income. And then just keep doing it again and again and again until you got all the money you need and all the money you want. Passive. That's great advice. And that's the advice I'm giving to you. Do it. Just do it. So I was able to do that in both cases, like the one up in the mountains, the one, the other one by the beach that, you know, we did. In both cases, those were able to be legally subdivided because they were in a a part of town that was zoned for multifamily properties. That's not always the case. Not every part of town will allow you to divide a property up into more than one dwelling. So a friend of mine who is very entrepreneurial, he has a big, beautiful, basically an Edwardian mansion. And he has really what you and I would consider separate units. But the town, because they don't allow any separate dwellings, that is a single family neighborhood. They do not allow you to have more than one dwelling. He could not subdivide that into multiple places. He can't build partitions between units and have them be separate. So what he's done, you know, he talked to the town, said, okay, I want to, you know, add some kitchens. I want to add some bathrooms. I want to add some ways for people to get in and out of these different units by themselves and still stay within the zoning. And they said, as long as there are doors, in between the units, then that's okay. They're not considered separate dwellings. So he now has four people helping him to pay his mortgage, which he doesn't have anymore. He had four people who helped him to pay off his beautiful property because he just figured out how he could work within the restrictions of the town by keeping these dwellings incorporated into his own space. So there are doors that he can go that would lead to each of these units. And they are technically could come into his unit as well. But because these are long-term tenants, he trusts them. He leaves those doors unlocked the way the city asked. I mean, does he have to? No, I mean, probably if he wanted to lock them up, he could. It's not like the town's coming back to check on that, right? I mean, they told him the rules and he said, okay, I'll, I'll abide by them. But they're not coming back to check and see if he did that. But for him, because he's renting to people he likes, people who are considerate, people who he knows are not going to be noisy and making a mess and, you know, kind of trashing his house. But those people are not coming into his house to use his kitchen. They're not using his bathroom. They're not coming in and out of his unit to access their unit. They're just people who are not, they're technically roommates and he calls them roommates, but I've never met any of them, right? They're, they're in their own individual space within his larger space. So how can you think out of the box? How can you make this thing work? What can you do what are your assets and how can you turn those assets and into opportunities? How can you think out of the box and make these 
make some really great, fantastic gains with what you already have? Or how can you buy something and make it work for way beyond your wildest dreams? Especially now when we're recording this, housing prices are going up, interest rates are going up. So what are you going to do? You know, you, you may not be able to make a property work with a traditional model, but when you start to think about house hacking and using a house, they say if you buy a car in parts, it'll cost you like $100,000. You can buy like a Chevy for like $100,000 if you buy it in parts because the parts are so much more expensive than the whole. Well, that's the way it is as well when you have a piece of real estate. In many cases, if you partition it up and rent the parts, you're going to get a lot more than you could potentially get by renting the whole. So think out of the box, figure out what your assets are and come back, pop into the YouTube channel and tell me what you're doing. Tell me that you've you know, how you've come up with some great ideas. Tell me how you've succeeded. We actually had somebody in there uh, pop in and say, hey, you know, I've got a great backyard in a couple of different states that I could rent out. So if you want to rent that person's backyard, you know, we, we can make some connections here. That could be really fun. Also go back, listen to the episode with Cassie Parks because she's not only is she renting out lots of different spaces in her house, she's also gives you a little bit of a tip of what to do if you are like, super duper house hacker mentality and your partner, not so much. (laughs) So that's another very useful skill. Check it out, be creative, and let's talk next. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.